not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmood. Coming up on this episode we have Jules, the fiefdoms and maybe even a tiny bit of success. We'll find out more as the episode progresses, but this is episode 87 and we're tackling Thranduil's holes uh, in this episode. Uh, the key, the clue here is Thranduil's hull. Hull is where we're destinationing today, uh, if that's a word, but I'm just going to go with it because we're going now, uh, heading off to Hull. Uh, I think the last time I went to Hull was for the episode that was a live or as live episode, which was, I think, episode 75 uh, off the top of my head. I uh, went up there. It was great. Uh, loved to go to Hull. It was just, uh, Hull's about an hour away from me, uh, over the Big Humber Bridge, which I believe was at one point the biggest suspension bridge in the uh, world, which is all very exciting. Uh, but I may be wrong about that. Anyway, uh, so that's that's the destination. Uh, just a one-day tournament. One day, I think, it's, is it a 90-pointer? I can't remember. Um, either way, it's a one-day tournament, 80-pointer. Uh, and there's some spicy stuff. There's a 500-point uh, limit here. Uh, single armies, uh, no evil stuff. Um, so there's no uh, restrictions on um, any kind of army. So it's just 500 points of whatever you fancy. And there's a bit of spice, okay? So um, the first thing it, that is a bit spicy is there's a kind of veto system at play. The veto system that, that has a couple of exceptions. The first exception is uh, they've binned recon. They've just, just binned it. They just hate it. So they've just thrown it into recon. They, they say they've cast it into the fires of Mount Doom. So that's good. Um, so uh, it says fellowship players rejoice, commiserations to Goblin Tower players, um, which is cool. So there's that. But also, Contest of Champions is the last game. So round four is going to be Contest of Champions. So the remaining three games are veto, but not in the kind of pool-based veto system. What they're doing is they're throwing the 16 scenarios that are left once you've put contest in uh, the final round and uh, recon in uh, the bin. Um, and then you just they're just going to randomly assign three scenarios over the course uh, of that uh, each round. And then obviously if one is used, they won't play again. And then you get to choose a veto and then. So you could end up with some really, really random things happening, which I quite like the sound of. You know, you might get... I don't know, um, all of the killy ones um, in one day, or you could get a killy one in each um, each game, which could be really cool. Uh, so all very exciting, lots to play for. And, and there's an extra bit, which I like the sound of, and this is Thranduil's Jewels. So um, it's uh, it's a little special bit of spice they've got across the tournament. And what they've done is they've um, it added a, an additional objective. So each army leader will start the tournament with a Thranduil's jewel in their possession and will be given a little crystal on, upon our entry, which sounds cool. And um, you can acquire more jewels throughout the course of the event. And what they're doing, they've come up with this kind of idea that when your hero, your leader, takes a wound, it drops a jewel. So it kind of reminds me of those... Uh, like Sonic or something like that, where you know you drop a ring every time every time you get hurt, which which I really like the idea of this. So that's really cool. And there's another thing. Um, each uh, there's a there's a, a jewel put in the centre of the board at the start of each game. So you, you, and your leader has to go and pick it up if he wants to. So you can go and pick up that thing, or if it's still there at the end of the game because I don't know you're playing Command the Battlefield and nobody wants to go in the middle, then it'll stay there for the next game. So in the second game, there'll be two ge uh, gems in the middle of that board. And uh, the person who gets the most jewels at the end of the tournament 
wins the biggest prize on offer. So it's like, this is the first place. So winning the gems is the first place. I'll be honest, I kind of like the idea of it, but I think I, I, I know what I'm, I also know what I'm like with objectives. I tend to go, yeah, what a great idea. That sounds exciting. Let's go and grab all the jewels. Let's have a cracker of a day. And instead, uh, I get distracted and go, oh, I need to go and kill that thing. So I do that and then forget about picking up jewels. So that's Thranduil's Hulls. Really excited about this. Uh, Nathan Crocker, the tournament organiser, we'll speak to him later. Um, and we're going to crack on. And I guess we need to take an army with us. Let's build one. Yes, we're building an army and we're continuing with the theme we started in the last episode, which was when we went to Bangor in Northern Ireland. And I did rather well. I got, I got my first ever third place on a GBHL 90 pointer. So very exciting. And I thought, well, I think that bodes well, doesn't it? So let's stick with uh, the stuff that I had. So last time I had uh, Imrahil and some men-at-arms and so on and Gandalf and uh, Madril. This time we're starting in the same leader. So we've got Imrahil. Mounted with a lance, so we're doing the fiefdoms again. We've got eight men at arms of Dol Amroth, so all the pikey boys fight five uh, within three inches of uh, Imrahil. We've got uh, the, the defense five, uh, strength three, um, courage three plus one um, for someone who'll come up in a second. Um, and then we've got a knight of Dol Amroth um, uh, on the horse with the lance. We've got two knights of Dol Amroth on foot, which I think is a bit of a unusual choice, but um, I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, and then we've got three clansmen of Lamadon. So they've got the uh, the two-handed broadsword, but on a six, they don't get the minus one for their attacks. So that's good. Uh, then second warband and final warband, we've got four long on the horse. Now, I actually, I debated this with the patron supporters um, as to whether I should bring four long or a captain of Delamroth. So captains of Delamroth go up to fight six when they're near Imrahil. Um, and they're the same price as four long. Uh, they're slightly higher, def- well, they're much higher defense, uh, defense seven as opposed to defense six, so only one higher, but still higher. And they also have an armored horse. So I thought, is that better than four long? And um, I was, <laughs> I basically put a poll up. I do this quite often. Well, not that often, but I occasionally put up things in the patron groups. Um, so if you want to become a patron and, and help me decide these things, uh, head over to patreon.com slash entmoot um, and uh, feel free to join the join the cause, help uh, help me out uh, making the episodes and, uh, you know, get your chance at some goodies and also uh, these sorts of things. And um, And basically everyone said, no, Forlong's absolutely much better. He's three wounds and one fate, which is which is surprisingly good. Uh, he's defence six, which is solid. Uh, defence four horse, which is a, is a shame. Um, but he's strength five with a lance, or a war spear, but a lance and a horn. And the horn is something that I'd kind of not taken into the bargain uh, when I considered the... Um, uh, the captain over over Forlong. The downside is you don't have March. He only and he doesn't have strike either. So it's he's not like he's a although he's a troop chomper. He's not like he's infinitely better than the captain at killing stuff because the captain strength four with two attacks, uh, three on the charge of course, and fight five slash six. Um, where uh, but he's a, you know he's got also got a lance, so he's pretty decent at killing troops. Forlong is strength five with a lance, but also only fight five. And no strike. So uh, I, I was unsure. I was unsure. But I think the horn is great. And the buff that he gives, the uh, six-inch uh, re-rolling ones to wound, um, is very good. Especially when I've got pipe blocks. Because it just makes that pipe block much more much more killy. So that's what we've gone with. And then uh, with his warband, we've got six men-at-arms of Dalamoth. 
two clansmen of Lamadon, uh, two more knights of Dol Amroth on foot. Uh, again, I might, I might be going too hard into these, but I figure having some defence six for the shooting, uh, uh, to resist shooting, is, is good. Um, and I've also got one more mounted knight of Dol Amroth with a lance and stuff. So we've got 27 models, that's 500 points, um, six might, um, six... Yeah, six might is pretty good. And, you know, two pretty solid killy heroes. Is it going to be enough to conquer the hulls of Thranduil? I mean, the hulls of Thranduil. We'll find out later on in the podcast. But first... Christians. Questions that need answering. Yes, that's right. Questions do need answering. So we're going to bash through some of these questions. And we actually have quite a lot. I've, I've let, let them stack up since the end of January. So thank you, uh, all of you, for, for getting in touch so much. I will rush through some of these. Um, uh, questions because not all of them are connected to the topics that I started int- introducing but let's start with with Matt who's been in touch hi Matt uh, he says hello Harry I've been toying with the idea of an evil soup army that brings together some of the evil men I like some of the models in Far Harad Serpent Horde Easterlings and Canned and I thought it could be fun to put together a three kings army this is cool so we three kings of Orientar I like the idea um, with a hero and a warband of, uh, from three of the above given their green or yellow alliances is there any way to pull it off uh, my understanding of the rules is that you have to use the lowest alliance level which would be yellow and so would need heroes of valor from all lists this could get expensive points wise or <laughs> financially I suppose have you seen anything like this or do you have any advice and I, I, I responded to this I uh, don't often respond to emails usually just go straight into reading them out in the podcast but I think he's on to a winner um I, the Far Harad kings are brilliant. Uh, so is the Candish king and chariot. And then there's the Harad king, um, who's pretty good. Um, so they're actually they're actually pretty good. Like um, because you've got the two the two the Far Harad and the Candish king have got strike. They've got chariot and they've got the impaler hits. Candish king's got a war spear, so he's no slouch. But um, I, I don't know how well it would balance overall. But they're not massively expensive. Those guys. So I think there's potential here. You know, you could have. I think something along the lines of, I don't know, a Candish king on a chariot, uh, maybe an extra chariot, um, uh, a Harad king with like some serpent guard and some bows and uh, or, or maybe just some serpent riders. And then um, the 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 far Harad king with with half trolls or, or and or the um, a load of camel dudes. So there's there's something there. I mean, I, I haven't actually put any effort into writing a list uh, that might work with this, but I think there's something there. I do think there's, because those armies have got really cool um, stuff in them. So if you think you've got a serpent guard backing up half trolls, that's solid. Um, you've got chariots and camels doing a lot of damage. You never know. I, I suspect because of those things being quite elite, you might struggle on numbers, but it's still a cool idea. I would like to see it happen. Right, next, uh, Rob. Rob uh, Conroy uh, has got in touch. He said he was listening to my recent podcast about the trip to Battle of Numerous Tears uh, in Bangor and was shocked and appalled at the reaction to the sacred IHL tradition of the humble noogie pot. I expected better from you and I'm calling for a public apology to the Irish Irish SBG community for this slide. Yours angrily, Rob Conroy. My God. Uh, I think it's Mayock. Mayock. I don't know. I'm really sorry, Rob. Uh, it's it's one of those Gaelic names that I just don't know how to pronounce. M-A-I-G-H-E-O-C. I'm just going to go Rob Conroy. Um, Rob, a public apology on behalf of Nuggie Pot enthusiasts. Uh, I mentioned that this is a tradition. There's a, 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 a ice cream place in uh, uh, Belfast in the surrounding... I think just it might just be in the north of Ireland. I can't remember. Um, that, they, that they have... Uh, they have nuggie pots at a place called New Gelato. 
and uh, it's a thing. It's just a thing. I love it. Anyway, um, so that was interesting. Um, but uh, Rob does say he loved the rest of the podcast. And in answer to your actual question that he's answering, I don't tend to worry too much about com- how competitive a model is when writing lists and instead focus on the story my army is a part of and is trying to tell. In fact, I've read an article about this uh, on my blog, Over the Edge of the Wild. However, the suboptimal profiles that I most have difficulty with tend to be the unnamed heroes who tend to be outshone by named heroes who don't necessarily fit with a particular themed list, i.e. the king of men is probably my biggest pet peeve in this regard. As there have been numerous kings uh, throughout the history of Gondor that arguably should be on a similar power level to the likes of Boromir or Imrahil, but the king of men profile pales in comparison, as well as adding significant restrictions on army list building. Fair. I like that. Good good response. Thanks, Rob. And apologies to any Nuggie Pop fans. Mike Henry's been in touch. He says, long-time listener, second-time emailer. Love the podcast. Keep it going uh, for your listeners hiking the south of uh, the trails of South America and those driving to and from work or doing housework all over the world. Thank you. In regards to your uh, question that needs answering uh, regarding suboptimal models we love, one of my favourite model profiles to use in the tabletop is the Moria Dragon. Yes, the one with animal instinct, where half your gaming points just buggers off with a cruel roll of the dice. I think this guy's incredible... Uh, incredibly good in game and I always nearly, I nearly always go fire and fly as I prefer damage output, potential damage output to playing it safe with tough hide GW is a business and I think this near £50 model which is 250 points could fly off the shelves rather than the tabletop if it was altered and won and not all of these following ways and it gives some suggestions like reducing the points, uh, giving more will, um, remove animals uh, instinct but otherwise keep it the same or uh, allow the dragon to benefit from shamans and, uh, or give it a le- legendary legion where it's playable. The legendary legion idea might work. Variags of Kand and other fallen realms could also do with a bit of love from GW in the form of new heroes, warriors, profiles, legendary legions, etc. I'd love a named Kandish king whose chariot would have f- the form of champions of Erebor or something like that. Uh, blah, 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 large base would be needed, perhaps four horses to pull it, but if Forge World came up with a beautiful model for this, guys, I'd add it to my heart. Uh, add it to the collection in a heartbeat. Keep it up, uh, uh, Mike Henry. Yeah, cool idea, actually. Um, I think there was, a, I think it was Kiyisamu or something like that, a Kandish king who was mentioned in a Legions of um, Middle Earth book a long time ago. I think that might, that it just may crop up at some point, but we've had the Dragon Emperor now, so. Who knows? Nick Hamilton has been in touch. He says, just finished last episode. Well done on your podium finish. Got a couple of questions about your thought process uh, when you were building your fiefdoms and minister of army. Did you consider going fiefdoms pure? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll There's two questions. I'll, I'll read them out first. If so, why did you decide to ally Minas Tirith instead of taking advantage of all the fiefdom synergies? And second, similar to the last question, did you consider taking Dwin here and some Black Root Vale archers instead of Madril and what you brought with him? Why did you choose what you choose? Um, so, one, I did consider going fiefdoms pure. Um, and why did I uh, decide to ally Minas Tirith? Um, the simple answer is I didn't p- finish painting all of my models in time. Um, it was over the Christmas period. I have some Blackroot Vale archers and uh, Dwin here. I just didn't paint them quickly enough. Um, and I, I, I spent, spent a lot of time waiting for my men-at-arms to arrive. Um, and so and, and didn't have the sort of Lamadon dudes and things like that. So there were a couple of bits and bobs that I just needed. Um, and uh, I just 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 didn't finish. And that's that's literally the only reason. And I wanted to use um, Gandalf the White because uh, he's awesome. And the last time I took him to Ireland, he did really well. Um, so I was, I was happy to take him again. And the, the second part of that uh, reason why I chose those ones is it was lower on model count, so it was easier to pack into a plane. So it was completely unrelated to gaming. Uh, similar to the last, why did you consider taking Dwyane? Uh, I did consider taking uh, Dwyane here in Blackroot Vale Archers. I actually don't... Uh, I... Mm, I I'll, I'll I'll see how they go in a future episode, um, but I, I I don't know I I just 
I think Dwin here is a bit rubbish. I think the Black Root Vale Archers are pretty good. Um, so, yeah, the, but the main reason was I hadn't painted them. So that, that is honestly the reason. Uh, but, Nick, thank you for asking the question. And um, the synergies in fiefdoms are very good. Hopefully we'll find out how good uh, in this episode. Torin Evans has been in touch. He says, Hi, Harry. Last time I emailed in, I had moved away for work. Couldn't play much, but those six months, it was great to have your podcast to keep my toe in the water. You're killing it out there. Thanks, thanks, Torin. That's great. Um, I'm back with the user community now, and for the past few months, I've been playing around with a fiefdom's administrative list featuring Imrahil and assorted ministerial heroes. It was fun to hear you play and have, can, and have success with an army similar to mine. In fact, I was considering running Imrahil and Gandalf for a local tournament, but I went with Ingold to hold the shield wall so the pike can do their thing and spent the extra points on Swan Knights. Then here you come with the Gandalf version. That was fun to get an idea of both lists. Keep up the great artwork. Interesting. I like the idea of um, Imrahil and Ingold. Interesting. Because, I mean, they, they still get trapped at the front, don't they? But the pike, they don't move back, so it doesn't disrupt your pike lines. That's uh, like... I like the idea, Torrin. Thanks for getting in touch. Uh, now, we've got a, a, what looks like a very long one from... Um, uh, from Joe Langley. He was saying he was listening to the Ever Entertaining Podcast. Um, says, shout out to the Warriors Minotaur with bows. I'm always a fan of taking models that aren't seen very often and also I think they're an undervalued model. D5 on D Archer's uh, models is surprisingly effective and in a strength 2 shooting war, they can actually outperform rangers in terms of their durability. Obviously, a lot can come into play beyond just the numbers, but having plus 1 to hit is nowhere near as valuable as being 1 pip harder to kill. Also, the prevalence of strength 3 shooting in certain armies renders this point void, but it's interesting to think about. And he does some maths at the Apparently, um, it's a 1 in 12 chance of the ranger wounding the uh, warrior of Minas Tirith with bow and a 1 in 9 chance of the warrior of Minas Tirith wounding the ranger with bow. Interesting. I thought that was good. Um, and the second point about the is about the uh, end condition of the game. I think your point about time limits being part of the game is the right one. It's something we all need to account for and is effectively a third end condition. And any list, list being built would need to consider all end conditions when designing a competitive list. A removal, removal of, or conversely, an even stricter chess clock style system of time limits would shift the meta in a possibly inter interesting direction. But it feels in competitive play that if it ain't broke... Don't fix it. Um, so there, there, there is uh, there is a lot more on this about um, about sort of strategy um, and and why why it works um, or sort of what, why you know why uh, why we sort of um, the strategy around sort of delaying the game and not delaying the game and the kind of um, the moral dilemma there. So I think that's. Um, but it, so, and I think we've kind of touched on that. So, uh, but but Joe, thank you so much um, for sending me all that stuff. I, I did read it all. I promise. Uh, it's just just reading it all out now. Um, I think we've covered a lot of the points already. But I really do appreciate it, Joe. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Uh, then finally, Alec James has been in touch. He says, "Hi Harry, hope you're well." He says, "Regarding your question on whether games should go to their end condition is a tricky one to answer, but here's my take on it." So uh, there's more. There's more. Uh, so he believes it's important to realise that MESBG is without a doubt a game of player skill and believes that good generals react to certain situations quickly and calmly, just like, like they would have done if fighting on the front lines in a Napoleonic war or such. They wouldn't often be given the luxury of time. They might have had scouts reports, any positions, and numbers prepared their army accordingly to where the positions to their front line and which were the strategic locations to hold. But once the battle started, they'd have to rely on their quick thinking and experience to get their men and troops through it. The same could be said for MESBG. Part of playing the game is understanding the strengths and weaknesses of your enemy force and using the timer as a way of guiding you into a victory condition. Is it going to be one of those games where you burn might quickly to push your opponent into a difficult situation and allow you to control the flow and time of the game. Likewise, looking at the enemy might make you want to play the attrition game and hold out as long as you can. 
to make the game run longer. Part of the game is knowing what you have to have the ability to achieve in the given time. So to quote Gandalf, he says, all we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given to us. And um, so there you go. I think that's uh, that's a pretty good summary, actually. And, and I think you uh, hit the nail on the head in terms of what I was trying to get get to the nub of when I was talking about this in the last episode. So so thank you for, for being a lot more erudite and uh, intelligent than I am, Alec. But yeah, you're totally right. It's part of the game and a better player understands how to use that to their advantage, though not necessarily exploit it in a kind of gamey, in air quotes, way. So uh, really, really interesting topic. Um, I think it's uh, both, both of these topics, actually, the undervalued models... And uh, and the other one, uh, the the one about the timing, uh, I, I think they're interesting topics. So do feel free to carry on getting in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, that's <clears throat> entmootpodcast at gmail dot com. If you if you have any any points or uh, about about the timings or about uh, undervalued models that you you really like to use, like those Minas Tirith warriors with the bow. Now. That's it for the uh, email inbox this week. No riddle in the dark. Uh, that will come back at some point soon. But now. Let's go on an adventure. Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? I can't stop, I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. Round one here at uh, Thrandwill's Holes. Great name for a tournament. Great name for a tournament. Round number one, uh, playing against Neil. Now, uh, Neil was only on uh, the podcast, I think it was two podcasts ago now, uh, at the GBHL finale. Uh, Neil, just remind us of that game, because that was, that was a bit bonkers, wasn't it? That was a nice game of about 11, 12 models on the board, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which you did very well in, and... Uh destroy my army yeah because you, you had the Azog Necromancer and some other stuff uh, some trolls and things like that and I had my nonsense Christmas list so it was uh, a bit of a weird matchup and I think am I right in thinking you ended up getting the spoon for that tournament yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a spoon yeah well congratulations on getting the spoon um, I, you're not aiming for the spoon here today but there are some similar models uh, what have you got for the tournament this weekend or uh, today so I'm running a Pits, Pits Legion uh, so I've got Azog Many hunter orcs, yeah. Gundabad captain, and a few wargs. Yeah, so I mean, you've got some like 30, just over 30 models, was it? 31, something like that? Yeah, 30, 30 models. Yeah, 30 models on the nose. So uh, a lot of dudes. And uh, first scenario, uh, we, as, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, we've got the, um, the veto system in place. Not the pool based veto system, but random scenarios uh, from, the, from the pot. They've ditched recon, and Contest of Champions is the final round, so that's not included. So there's 10, uh, or so, uh, what is it? 16 uh, that we could draw and we got fog of war retrieval and capture and control uh, you got to veto first um, what what was your what was what did you veto and why uh, I got rid of capture and control um, mainly because you have a lot more movement than I do with your knights mm. and I knew that you would I was gonna say veto fog of war so just thought retrieval might have been the one that might be able to get you on. But. Yeah, because you've got the, the three wargs which can sneak around the edges and potentially grab that uh, that retrieval relic. So that, that was fair enough. So 
that I guess means that um, yeah and you're right sorry Fog of War yes I, I vetoed Fog of War um, largely because I knew I had to kill the Gundabad captain you had to kill Forlong and I could try and kill the Gundabad captain but um, I knew that you wouldn't probably leave him unaccompanied uh, so Azog would be very close to if not you know standing in front of him for most of the game so I knew it was going to be very very tall order uh, trying to kill him without losing Forlong so, so retrieval seemed like the best choice to me and in the first sort of deployment um, I was surprised actually that you deployed far back I mean you did have bows so I guess that was why was that but you deployed quite far back uh, in a very defensive position was that the reason yeah I thought if I can take a couple of models from bows and then just defend the position I might have a chance um, and that was literally my only reason for it yes and, and you did I mean you got uh, I think it was at least two maybe three guys um, uh, before before the Lions clash so so you had a, a big outnumbering situation but I think uh, what what really happened was the, the early turns um, I think the priority lit situation landed in the perfect way for me so that I could I could focus my guys into a couple of things and your your hunter walk line was sort of hemmed in you couldn't quite because you didn't have a chance to come forward or uh, and you didn't move forward into a big opening you couldn't get your wraparounds and all that sort of stuff so you, you were kind of fighting in an area which was quite advantageous for me because i had all the pikes and all the fight value and all the banners and all the buffs so i think that early turn that first first turn went, went quite well for me including the uh Imrahil and um forlong just uh, well not forlong Imrahil killed four guys off uh, one one uh, fight because he got surrounded and he killed everyone he was fighting so it was a pretty good start for me yeah i think I needed to push out a bit and get into more of that open space, but yeah, you kind of just sumped me a bit yeah. and I got a bit stuck. But uh, having said that, because I'd lost the priority, it gave me the advantage for that move, but it also put me at a bit of a disadvantage with a knight. That, so I had one of my cavalry knights uh, just wandering around um, because I knew the... Um, the wargs, the wargs have been sent off in a kind of uh, circuitous route to try and grab my objective. But um, basically, there was a turn where I lost the priority and you could have charged me with three wargs um, and, and probably taken my knight off the board. But you just char charged me with one. Why? Uh, I mean, we talked about at the end of the game yeah. that if I charged you, I might not make it to the objective. So it was kind of the... I wanted to charge him, yeah. but I also wanted to get as close to the objective with as many wargs as possible. So. Yeah, yeah and, and which is fair enough, to be fair. So, so you, you charged me one, and then the, the, I think, again, the priority landed in, in the right way for me uh, after that. So I did manage to... Um, I think I survived that first round. You, you didn't wound me, and then the next turn I charged that one that I'd already ch uh, charged, killed it, and then I charged a second one a turn later, so I killed that one as well. So it was just a, a lovely combination of uh, things that managed that knight managed to do some really strong work uh, clearing up some stuff but meanwhile your hunter orcs were just dropping like flies it was it was my banner my higher fight value and the just the quantity of pikes and dice that i had just it was just chopping through them that's what they do best they, <laughs> yeah. they're glass cannons aren't they they yeah. hit hard and get squashed very easily but you took a lot off the board yeah yeah i mean i took took loads off the board but then so did you i mean uh, in the last turn of combat uh, it was just basically sort of bumping lines for a while as i tried to sneak guys through um and and i think uh, what am i on i'm on 15 dead so um i just a couple of points over broken but i managed to kill 23 or something like that of yours 24 of your models in total um but crucially one of those kills was actually the only courage check he took in the game, which was the one wag that managed to get to the relic. He was the relic was conveniently in um, some woodland for me, so you couldn't quite get to it the first turn. Um, and then he was only a fraction of an inch away, and all he needed to do was pass that one courage check and move the objective. 
but alas, that wasn't quite what happened, sadly. That's, that's how dice rolls go, don't yeah. they? Uh, that's how my dice rolls go. I mean, it, it's un- I guess the, with a warg, it's, you know, he's only courage two or something like that, so it was unlikely anyway, but still, you, you like to think... I mean, that was, it, it, was a bit, it would have been a big swing for the game if you'd have just grabbed that objective, but uh, I think the main thing was that I'd just cleared out so many of your hunter walks you didn't have anything left to protect the uh, the back objective with so uh, although Azog did did absolutely te- uh, uh, tear through my lines uh, including uh, destroying four long uh, the fat in one go in the uh, final turn um, he just he just never really could keep pace with with the rest of my troops which were just churning through your guys yeah you were just munching through them as quickly as possible and like you said the defense four of them you're just absolutely squashing them. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. And your, and your strength four was killing me on fives. I was killing you on fives. But I was just winning more fights, and that's that's just the way it goes. So in the end, uh, it ended up with a very narrow win to me, only by uh, kind of by chance in a way that that just just because there was the last turn. Um, uh, well, we broke. We both broken. Um, so the first turn of breaking. Um, and I managed to just squeak enough guys through to grab the uh, the relic, and um, I needed to have. Uh, four long in combat with Azog and also counter charge Azog with, with a Knight of the Lamroth and some other dudes just to make sure that um, Azog couldn't one shot four long and move into the pike line so just having that one extra dude in that fight was absolutely crucial uh, towards stopping you from heroic combating uh, and stopping the relic so one more turn uh, if, if we had one more turn I, I would like to think that you would well I, I don't like to think it but I know uh, that, that I think you would absolutely destroy me because Azog uh, had, had one point maybe two points of might no one point of might left uh, Prince Imahil had a might but he was too far away for it to actually matter So because um, he was avoiding Azog the whole game so you would have got, got the move and you would have absolutely destroyed everyone in that objective and probably got the relic back. Maybe, maybe not got it back that turn, but um, still, uh, it, it went, ended on the first turn it could, which, which allowed me a, a sort of relatively cosy 4-1 win. So, uh, four, one win. so uh, Neil, it was an actual, absolute pleasure to play again. I mean, was there anything that you think that I should have done differently uh, in that game? Because, uh, yeah, there were definitely mistakes on my side, I think. I think you called it about the knight who was just running around. Mm. I mean, he did his job, he was chased down some wargs and killed some of them so um, but I think definitely played a lot better game than I did in terms of just not getting myself stuck into into this corner but in, in some ways like I thought at the start of the game bows I, I could have done with some bows but in many ways actually the bows were a trap for your own army because you were like well I'm going to stand here in my deployment zone and shoot uh, near the relic and, and it just meant that the fights were really close to the line if you'd have moved forward even six inches more and sacrifice one turn of shooting I think there was no ch- no way I would get to that relic in uh, in the turn that I did so so yeah maybe maybe it worked for me but um, but yeah also uh, I think we just mentioned at the end of the game uh, your surprise attack rule um, I think you probably left it a bit too late so the Azog also wins priority uh, and one turn of his choosing and I think there are a couple of turns where you let me have priority where um, maybe you didn't need to. Uh, you could have even called heroic moves on some of those, but but you didn't. So uh, I think there was only one that you called with um, the Gundabad captain. And I think Azog would have been a much better person to call it. I mean, he did have to spend quite a lot of might to win a few combats, so I guess you're a bit uh, cautious. But because um, he got, uh, and he spent five might just winning combats. But um, I do think he sh- he could have definitely called a move at one point and. Uh, and you'd have been in a much better position, but uh, you know these things are hard to hard to call in the, uh, the 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 spice of the moment, I guess. Yeah, like I said, I think I left it a bit too late. Um, definitely could have spent it a little bit earlier, just to even take out a few more pikemen or troops and stuff, yeah. and get rid of a few more models from your side. But 
There you go. Uh, well, uh, thanks, Neil, for the game. Uh, just before we finish, the gems, uh, the Thranduil's Hall gems, or whatever they're called, uh, I managed to get the one from the centre of the board because uh, Neil had sacrificed the middle ground. Uh, so I've got two gems uh, going into the next round, but Neil, you still have one because Azog is alive. So uh, best of luck in the next round. Maybe you can get some more gems and, uh, and claw back to, to, to find the, uh, be the winner of the gems or something like that. Cheers, Harry. Thank you very much. Cheers. Game number two here at Thranduil's Holes and uh, playing against Oliver Hammond. Um, so uh, game one was a successful win and uh, we played retrieval, vetoing and all that sort of stuff. Uh, first of all, Oliver, uh, you had, I think you won the roll-off for the vetoing here. Um, just give us an idea of the, the three scenarios we had and um, which ones we all vetoed to see what we got to. Uh, we had breakthrough command the battlefield and then heirlooms where he just passed and Harry got rid of breakthrough because he just thought that Bol would mince through his army which he sadly didn't do at that game but uh, command the battlefield I then vetoed because with my low courage orcs I didn't want them spread on the different sides and then just failing courage tests and leaving yeah, so I, I should have should have asked you first what your army is because that made it makes oh, yeah. a difference. But yeah, you, you've got Bolg and uh, Hunter Rocks and stuff. What 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 combination you got? Sorry, it's uh, Azog's Legion and Azog's Hunters because got the Azog's Legion, so Bolg gets Master of Battle. I've got uh, just a couple of Berserkers, uh, Warbat, which is very important in that game. And Fimble and Hunter Orcs and some Fell Wargs. Yeah, so you, strangely you actually had fewer models than me. I was expecting uh, a bit more of a horde of uh, Hunter Orcs, but uh, you had a couple of the um, uh, the Berserkers in there, which, which probably uh, spent a bit more points on. You had a banner this time, which uh, the previous game we didn't have a banner uh, against the um, the Azog and uh, uh, his captain. So, so, I mean, this one, as you said, we're playing Heirlooms, and um, you mentioned the bat. So, I mean, it's... it's and, and also the banner. So it, worth noting, banner uh, counts for VPs in this scenario. And I don't have a banner in my army, despite Imrahel having the 12-inch banner zone. So, so already at the start, I know that I'm going to have to kill your banner at some point just to score a draw. Like at the very start, so you're already a two two pip lead, and you've got some bows which help you. But I think probably uh, the the maelstrom was probably more important than I thought it was at the time um, over the course of the battle because uh, you spent one point of might and I spent two points of might on uh, both Imrahil and Forlong, uh, one on each of them to, to get them both on the field which I, I think was probably the right move but it really did have a knock on for, for the rest of the game do you think? Yeah I think it did have a very negative effect on you because obviously you're going to have to spend your might to strike up against me in combats against Bolg which didn't end up happening but it just puts you at a negative when every time you spend your might, which is precious to you, I can master battle it. Yeah, exactly. Especially for those moves, which in this one, with my couple of knights, with my heroes mounted, I really want to keep them, get them through, get them stuck in and get some killing. Um, and then uh, basically the first, or I think it was the very first roll of heirlooms, um, you send a bat onto a dude. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that I set up, uh, deployed my guys well. I, I'd, I'd walked over one of the objectives uh, and, you know, I'd have castled it off nicely. Uh, but then the, the dreaded roll of a six happened. And, I mean, it changed the game, didn't it? I mean, it, there was no way it was going to end up the way it did uh, without that roll of a six, do you think? Yeah, that definitely changed the game. I was contemplating putting Bolg on the to dig up the heirloom but then I remembered the bat obviously you can't catch up to it and then I got the lucky six and the bat could just run around all game mm. and get away from you 
So, so essentially, the first of the thing. Oh crap! Okay, so I've got you've rolled a six. So I know I'm I'm now facing a very, very much an uphill struggle. I've got you've got six VPs in the bag, uh, unless I do one thing and one thing alone, and that's break your army, and you uh, your bat your crew three bat runs away, and and I think I, I I did all right trying to chip away at your army. Um, I mean, a couple of things went wrong in the early turns when I was uh, uh, when the lions clashed. Like Imrahil was fighting uh, something, and he, he rolled very poorly in his uh, heroic combat to try and wrap round to get your banner in the first turn and so I think had that gone well then maybe I'd have been a step further along than I thought it would be but um, generally my army just sort of minced through yours and, and you couldn't really compete Yeah no as well uh my thimble got flash killed as well by some guys. Yeah, that was very lucky. I should, I should say that. Yeah, because it was one one clansman of Lamadon and one pike. And you, oh no, there was a second pike, I think, wasn't it? No, no, there was just yeah. it was just the one, uh, just the one, wasn't it? But either way, it was like the the chances of that I happening. Was, I was debating spending Mike to save him, or not to save him, but to win the roll off. And I didn't, and then ended up dying, which then wasted two on my yeah. ironically. Yeah, yeah, that was that was rotten luck. So I think you only need to spend one might to, to win the fight. But re- reasonably, I mean, the chances of a defense six hero with one fate going down to a strength three guy, granted with a plus one to wound, and another strength three guy, it was unlikely. But I did get the six, and the uh, uh, and the the Lamandon dude got the five as well. So it was it was pretty lucky. But I mean, really, that didn't actually make any impact on the game because I, I was churning through your her- your troops anyway. Um, um, and that was going quite well. The, my, my heroes were just smashing into them. Bolg was doing some work, but not much. I think you only killed three or four, did you say? Yeah, you only killed three Bolg. It was quite underwhelming. Yeah, I think I th- think probably because the, um, I, I boxed him off. Uh, or so I got the, the sort of main first charge, and he didn't get any fights in the first turn. And then I think the second turn, he only killed two. Uh, or maybe maybe an extra one. I can't remember. It might have been all in that. In fact, it probably was all in that one turn. Um, but either way, he, he didn't get a lot of work um, done, sadly. But um, despite all this, the thing I, I I was consciously aware of the fact that the game ends on a quarter, and in order to beat beat you, I need your bat to run away. That's the only way. Because I can't catch up with it unless a unless through a combination of priorities or bad moves from you. Yeah. Like, you'd have had to have just forgotten to move it one turn, which you almost did once, but uh, <laughs> you did get to move it in the end. Um, but, like, I think that that was the main thing I needed, was just you to lose two turns in a row while I was running through. But because you'd had him cleverly on the back back of everything and you were skirting around um, a big bit of terrain, that it was sort of like, well, I needed to kill a lot of stuff first and then get it, but... Uh, there was a couple of moves right towards the end where you, you, did, you did some heroic, uh, sorry, you stand fast in a very clever order in, uh, in order to help you out. Yeah, the, when I realised that it was just mincing through my army, the only option to win essentially and stop the bat running away is to get Bolg next to him. So I had to swing pretty much my entire army to the opposite side and just got really lucky with moves off. Uh, so Bolg's uh, stand fast could go off and I just kept on moving away and kept the battle alive yeah I think that was crucial here in the last two turn uh, two or three turns I think you you won you won the roll off for the last point of might uh, and then you won the following two priorities which which just meant that that Bolg had uh, while you were broken Bolg got to do his stand fast each time and and he could move over towards the bat to help the bat out and and in the final the final turn I, I had a had a chance you know uh, there was I had a knight uh, uh, Imrahil a load of dudes all lined up against Bolg and that you know I could have charged the bat via uh, once I tagged tag Bolg and stuff like this if I'd have won priority but sadly the priority didn't happen uh, so it, it wasn't to be but um, 
in the end, it ended up being a 6-2 loss because essentially, you, by smartly moving your um, your bulk away from the line, you also uh, denied the Stamfast to some of the Orcs in the centre, uh, and they slowly ran away. And I did I did do things like faint to try and you know to try and lose the fight against them so they didn't die in combat, and uh, and I didn't charge as many as I could, and all this sort of stuff. So I did I tried absolutely everything to to stave off uh, the end of the game, but it was pretty much inevitable because because you had the priority, it was forcing you to take those uh, courage checks. Whereas I was hoping if I win if I win the priority, I can charge my guys with shields in, shield away, shield away, shield away, and just keep you on the table for as long as I can. But uh, yeah, sadly that was it. And I think in the end, I don't know whether I did break in the end. I did, no, I'm one more off breaking so um so i was uh, very close neither hero uh, leaders uh, were wounded for making a uh, six points for the relic and i managed to uh, take two points off you for breaking you and being unbroken so i mean ollie it, it was it was a it was a cracker of a game it was really really tricky and obviously it was dictated largely by that one roll of a six at the start but uh, yeah you, you certainly you certainly played it perfectly after you did that so congratulations well done best of luck for the next game yeah, uh, I'd just like to know, uh, Julian, how much terrible the game. <laughs> He'll love that one. Thanks very much. Cheers. Game number three here at Thranduil's Hulls, and uh, just after lunch, had a nice salad for lunch, very healthy, uh, but playing up against James in, in game number three. Now, James, uh, am I right in thinking you... Uh, it's a very convoluted thing, but there's a friend of a friend who, who we ended up uh, uh, sort of bonding over at the start of the game uh, that I introduced him to the game and you've introduced him and that's uh, Jack Darlington who uh, will be in an upcoming episode so uh, nice to, to meet you and, and I believe you were listening to the podcast on the journey or, or one of them I was yeah recently listened to your last one over in Ireland so yeah. well so, done for that thank you very much so you knew that uh, I, there might be some fiefdoms on the table so that's interesting and um, before we uh, go into the scenario and the uh, the draw for that and um, what, what have you brought here for the weekend? So as it's all about Thranduil, I thought I'd best bring Thranduil. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, good. First time using him, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. See so he's got, you've got Thranduil, uh, is it two cavalry in there? I can't remember. Two cavalry, yeah. two cavalry. And then a mixture of what, palace guard and all that? What, yeah, what, what's the other stuff? Yeah. Uh, a mixture of palace guard, uh, only those with sword and shield, a couple of glaives, and then banner, leggy with four bows. I think. Yeah, and so the veto uh, happened, so... Gosh, I can't even remember what the veto things are, and they've been rubbed off the the, uh, the thing. And um, to the death. Oh yeah, to the death was one of them. There was assassination. Assassination was the other, and uh, a different one. So I think I chose first to veto, and I decided to veto assassination based largely on the fact that Legolas could just snipe away at four long, uh, turn after turn after turn, and eventually he would kill him. And um, so I thought, right, not having that. Uh, I I actually assumed you would go for to the death because you've got a few bows, so it's probably better for your army and divine and conquering your army um, but you decided to uh, to veto to the death and then went with divide and conquer and it was a great reason for it what what was your reason well, i've never played it before so i thought we'd give <laughs> yeah. it a go yeah. absolutely that's a great reason so um first of all uh, you're divided up i'm divided up there's a lot of terrain on this board um what did you think of, of the army and did you have sort of a plan at the start of the battle or or were you just sort of going rolling with the punches basically try and avoid him hill's charge was probably the main plan and the rest of it just see what happens yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I think my, I, I ummed and ahed over my plans because at one point I thought, ooh, if I send all of my guys, to, or a lot of my guys, to hold up Legolas and his, uh, was it four elves? Yeah, four Mercred elves with bows uh, in one corner. I could easily eliminate that, maybe take three points of might off the table and stop the threat of the, the bow um, after a while. 
But then I remembered, I've fallen into that trap before, and um, this scenario particularly is about getting into the centre and stopping the opponent getting into the centre. And I thought, if I can get all, most of my guys to shield off or sort of form a line between the central two, uh, or central one and one of the right objectives uh, and Thranduil, then I've got a good chance of, of holding on to two and potentially three uh, objectives because you had so such a small warband uh, on the left so so my sort of big big play was right I'm going to send Imrahil and a knight into the two Mirkwood cavalry which were uh, sort of in a convenient gap that were on the way and then I'd send all my guys behind them hoping that Imrahil will smash through those cavalry get some get some kills get some take some of the early threats away all good and then I'll be able to take the objectives instead and, and I'll be honest I didn't plan I didn't remember this but Thranduil has Nature's Wrath. Indeed. And I hadn't actually seen it, but you did that move. I thought, oh dear, there goes O2 Cavalry. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly saw that Thranduil could get in within three inches and get it off. And I was just hoping you didn't roll a six. Yeah, and, and by God did I not roll a six. I think I spent my three will, because there's no other magic uh, to come on this table. And I went with, uh, I think it was a two, a two and a one. Um, and so that was that. Was that. Uh, so he was on his bum. But to rub salt in the wound, it was it was pretty grim. Uh, followed by uh, you rolling a six on the thing, six on the throne ride. Oh, the knockdown result. Yeah, yeah. So, so took a wound. Took a wound. Uh, so I thought, right, I'll fate it, and then I get a one, a two, and a one, and 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 I'll end up taking all my fate, all of my will, and then spending a two points of might on the uh, the final. Um, the final fate just to just to be able to save that wound and deny the VPs off that one thing. So I was looking desperately, desperately uh, sad at this point, and uh, it was it was getting a bit uh, like a bit worrying because Forlong hadn't yet arrived and there was no might in the middle and all this sort of stuff. But luckily for me, the um, just the lines, I think I'd done the right thing. I'd blocked off two little tiny gaps in the terrain, which meant it you were quite a far off like a good six inches off um the maybe more off the central objective and like five or six inches off the uh, the side objective so it was just a matter of can you crack through my guys before um in good time and there was a couple of things that um that i, I was able to just keep feeding you one guy to your mercury cavalry and uh, uh just because of the way the priorities landed and and i think you were a bit reluctant to spend his might his you? last point of mine was i can't remember what i spent it on before i think maybe winning the combat but yeah as we said i probably should have done something different i mean he killed loads of you guys but just stuck in one place and you just chopped through the rest yeah, so in the early turns, I, I'd, I'd sent one guy in and then blocked the gap with another one so that if you were out combated, you would hit that other guy. Um, and I thought, well, at least that blocks the back so that Imrahil can't be charged and caught out um, uh, by a fight seven Thranduil uh, on a horse. And, and But I still think, I said this right at the end of the game, I said, I think you should have done that heroic combat probably on the first turn just to get Thranduil into much better position uh, and give you a, a sort of maybe even protect like put the Mirkwood Cavalry forward in front and put Thranduil behind him so that he that no matter what Thranduil couldn't be charged then he could put his terrifying aura up and then it makes it even harder for me to charge all of your Mirkwood instead I managed to pin him down basically every turn uh, you were reluctant to spend that last point of might so Forlong once he did arrive was able to call the moves pin him down as well so the magic never happened and I always was dictating where and when the fights were so I sort of slowly pushed you probably two or three inches back from your original starting position. So it was just, it was just weight of bodies pressing against this elven line, which, which is quite thematic and dramatic, really. It was, yeah, and Legolas was too busy 
dancing around trying to shoot things and in the end too late to charge in the middle one thing we forgot is right at the start turn one Thrandall went and picked up that duel oh, for, yes, no reason, for no reason at all and then so he was obviously 10 inches away from everything but oh uh, yeah yeah so that, I, well I mean you did manage to get uh, get the, the nature's raff off pretty quickly yeah I've forgotten about the duels I didn't pick up any in the last game uh, this one I actually lost one because uh, Imre Hill eventually took uh, took some wounds but uh, largely that was kind of uh, what happened I mean you just didn't have enough guys to threaten the other side of the objective with Legolas's warband they as you mentioned they were moving forward took uh, four long off his horse took um, a knight off the horse and did some damage elsewhere as well I think he killed another spear or something like that but nowhere near enough to, to put any kind of real danger in me and, and the fact that your fight six Legolas with three points of might was sort of hanging around at the back not, not doing an awful lot for, for most of the game just meant when he did arrive it was kind of too little too late it was we had that last turn where he he had, did one heroic combat didn't he yeah. and got that off and then tried to do the same again the next turn and get into Imre Hill but didn't work couldn't kill a pikeman yeah so. yeah Legolas and a friend uh, managed to not kill a defence five pikeman which was pretty rough it must be said but um I, it, it probably it would have changed the result a little bit, but not by a lot. But um, Imre Hill uh, was was in the in the centre, guarding the central objective uh, with his massive banner uh, stretching out to to the lines, which was brilliant. And also, you did you, you sh- we should say you did make efforts to try and grab some other objectives, but again, too little, too late, wasn't it? Because just the combination of me winning multiple priorities in a row once, uh, and you sort of being reluctant to spend Thrandall's last point in the might um, same for a rainy day perhaps <laughs> but the rainy day just never came was it did it uh, it just meant that I had the pressure and, and could surround your, your guys that try to threaten the other objectives and kill him off um, and steal, the, steal that objective too it was yeah and as we said yeah, he should have done it earlier then he could have chopped through a lot more guys but no he didn't and then you just carried on going through I tried my sneaky one round the back but in the end he got five guys on him yeah. and completely died on the yeah. objective but yeah. no it was, it was good but. It, it, it was it was a tricky game though because you know after losing um, all that sort of resources on Imre Hill at the start and, and also there was a couple of turns early on where your, your elves really really chopped through me I think there was a couple of like the just you just had the fight six and you had the uh, the elven blades as well which came in clutch a couple of times and and things like that just did just yeah it, it meant me i was thinking right okay because I, I lost like between five and six models um in the first couple of turns of combat but after the i, I think i chopped a similar number of yours off but you had t- 19 models total and i had 27 so it just meant that the weight of guys eventually wore you down and uh and eventually squeeze out a 8-1 victory uh, in Divine and Conquer. So um, it was a cracking game, though, James. I really, really enjoyed it. It was, it was a tough game, but uh, really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty much everything. Was there anything that you think that you could have done differently to, uh, to, to, or to you know, change the result? I think not spending Legolas uh, um, at the back, getting him, get him in a bit earlier, and then, as you said doing Thranduil's heroic combat to get him chopping, getting the awe of dismay off so then you cause terror. Mm. He would have then maybe been around the back yeah. of your big central block and maybe could have done some more damage there. But Just just having a fight seven elf, just yeah. kicking about. I, it would, I, at that point, I had no strike, so it would have, it would have made a massive, massive difference um, if he was sort of in a position where he, he couldn't be pinned down every single turn. But, um, yeah, that's, that's tricky. I think in terms of what, what, what I could have done differently, I think I probably committed, overcommitted to one flank and left myself a little bit vulnerable in the centre, and it was only really in the last, um, last couple of turns. I think I had five uh, dudes on the, the left objective, but only two guys in the, uh, actually claiming the central objective, so uh, maybe a bit of an overkill there. But, hey, uh, it all worked out in the end. 
So, uh, James, thank you very much. Best of luck in your final game. Thank you very much. Good luck, Harry. And cheers for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Round number four, the final round here at Thranduil's Hulls, and uh, playing against a, a familiar voice on the podcast, it's Aaron Pullen, a, a teammate, uh, the fella belly uh, teammate, and usually the person who sort of pulls the weight in the fella bellies, it must be said, um, and often been on the podcast uh, after winning various tournaments. Um, and we're here playing Contest of Champions because that's the uh, one. There's no veto in the last round. It's just Contest. So, Aaron, first of all, before we get stuck in, how, how's the day gone and what, what have you been, uh, been using for the day? Um, today's been uh, quite, quite good. Um, I've decided to take a new army. Um, I've playtested it just the once, so I'm coming in quite fresh with it. But it's quite simple to use. Get those excuses in early, eh? Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's new, isn't it? Yeah, yeah new army. So um, I've got my, my Arnor. So mm. consisting of um, King Arvidui, uh Melbeth, and a captain. Yep, yep. Um, then just your basic bog standard troops, a few rangers in there, and the um, Hobbit with a warhorn. You know, yeah, yeah. give that extra courage. Absolutely, yeah. Which which is uh, can be very useful. Uh, Contest of champions, of course. Um, I think we, we talked about this uh, in the in the group chat um, on the way in, saying we haven't played for a long time. I think the last time we played was in Grantham last year, and you beat me with your Mahud. And we were saying, oh, it's been a while for, since we've had a game. It'd be good to match up. So getting the final round. Um, Obviously, Contest of Champions is not probably Arvidui's favourite, and you're coming up against Imrahil. What what did you think? Did you fancy your chances here? Do you know what? I I didn't think it was an instant loss, not a chance. Mm. Um, I knew I could pull something off here, um, just because, you know, if I can get some of them priorities and uh, get uh, one or two into Imrahil, you know, when it comes to the combat phase, he's wounding me on fives. Yeah, he's going to have three dice, needing fives. But then I got a five-up save from Melbeth as well. You know, I might be able to tie him up for a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, which is which is fair enough. I mean, I, I sort of, I thought because you deployed uh, quite smartly, you put a guy in front of um, of Arvidui in the the middle bit. I, I I don't actually know how what you would have done in that first turn. So would you have, uh, because I won the first roll off the priority or whatever it was the roll off. Um, so would you have moved that guy in forward and tried to sort of tag into Imrahil because I'd left a similarly ga- a similar gap, um, knowing that I'm going to countercharge that one fella, but you're hoping to get more kills in that first turn? Was that basically your plan? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, having that guy in front of um, my leader just protects him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could call the move with Melbeth. Um, he don't really need to move anywhere because everything's in close quarters. So basically, I just ping him off and yeah. um, you know tie up Imre Hill, yeah. and um, my leader can go off killing some normal troops. Yeah, but of course it didn't go that way. I'd put Forlong in front of um, uh, in front of Imre Hill with the intention of using him to a chop through the guy that was in the way and also to stall Arvidui. I thought Arvidui could easily get a get a, a shift on killing my guys he's only getting me on fives um, as you mentioned already you've got the five plus uh, save so I thought I, I've got to stall him somehow so that was my plan I thought I'd give him a good stalling um, and meanwhile um, Imrahil the plan was to go around the side uh, and go for the captain so I, I thought and I, as you pointed out I need the uh, the move offs I need the heroics to get my cavalry doing some work uh, and I thought the captain is the obvious target. He was in the front line, it was D7, and I get a point of might back if I kill him in one go, which I was really hopeful of doing. It didn't happen, but it, I did get the kill eventually and chipped away one of the two might. I think you called one move with him and then uh, then I took the other one off you. But it meant Imrahel had the full three points of might uh, going into the sort of the, the following turns of fighting. So 
but I think the, the the big thing here was ultimately it was down to the the sort of the priority roles and just and and kind of those very first couple of turns of combat where it really didn't go your way, did it? Yeah, you're right there. Um, obviously, if I could win a couple of move offs, yeah, um, it was stacked against me. Harry winning most of the moves move offs. Um, and and we, we you should be honest it was like all of them like, <laughs> and, it, and i think it was i think it was it was it only one move off you won in total yeah. or was it yeah it was just one just move one. off um, which is pretty grim and um and and we even even drawing and fight quite a lot because Imhel had gone down one side and you didn't win very many of the roll-offs there either like what <laughs> like two out of 30 or something stupid yeah it was ridiculous uh, not even exaggerating yeah. probably 30 odd dual rolls um, where it could go either way mm. and I think I won two yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was it was ridiculous and, and we were saying we were joking at the start oh you know oh, uh, what, what do you want to because you, you, you got the choice of the first roll-off and you thought oh what do I what do I want to be well, should, I, should I be good or evil and you know you, you're usually evil aren't you so. yeah most I play evil, so I thought, oh, let's shake things up. I'm going to be good. So, you know, four, five, six, I win. One, two, three, Harry wins. And yeah, I made the wrong choice. Yeah. Otherwise, this game would have been a whitewash for me. It, it, it really would. It really would. I mean, I mean, it didn't. Ha- I mean, I think obviously your Malbeth saves helped. Um, they didn't. They didn't stave off a, an extraordinary number, but nor was it sort of a, a massively low number either. It just felt like they just did a bit. They did a bit of work, but not enough. Um, but but generally, it was just. I've got a lot of dice. I guess I've got the three. Um, the three pikes. I've got the fight five where I need it, and I've got, and it just, and the, the four long re rolls were really very helpful as well early on. That they, I was just, I just felt like I was wounding a lot more than I perhaps normally would with a three pike line against defense six. So maybe maybe it was just a bit more of a, a bit of a percentage swing to me. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. You know, just tipping it that little bit, you know, it, it impacts the game. Um, you know, it's contest. Uh, starting right next to, up to each other. I know Harry has no bows in his list. Yeah. Um, I do have bows. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, you know, yeah, he played it well. Um, having them pipe blocks, uh, yeah, very dangerous. And, and again, uh, as we say, the, the heroic move are so important for keeping that pipe block because I was worried at the start. We the middle, there was no terrain in the middle, and um, so we just deployed in a kind of sort of a bit of big big killing zone and and i thought or oh, if you get the chance to start wrapping around with your i think how many more models did you have it was six models or something like that i think you said you're 33 uh, that's right yeah, yeah. 33 so, so yeah three, th- six more models i thought all oh, that that could make a big difference because as soon as you take a couple of guys around the side take off my pike supports for the one in the middle it traps that guy and then you get the kills and the guy in the, the front and the pikes aren't helping with the dice rolls either so it just all starts spiraling but because i'd managed to get a few move offs early on um, and there was one flank covered by the ter- a bit of terrain uh it sort of held, held that off and the knights were coming into the side as well to to sort of uh, take away a bit of those the potential for wrapping but but yeah it, it, there was just no real chance for you to to get catch a break really no uh, it was a bit of a uphill struggle um i think everything was against me on this this game <laughs> yeah. But, um, it was. yeah you know it happens um you know it's a game of chance <laughs> i was gonna say do, do you think there's anything that you did wrong here um i don't think so no no mm. I'm racking my brain as well. I'm not convinced that there is much, uh, if anything. Uh, I, I, I really don't think there's a way that you could have done it differently. I mean, it also, you killed four long in the, the, right, the right way and, you know, you got a point of mic back for that and, and it, everything all just seemed quite sensible. But, yeah, it, was just, it just seemed like it was a, a, a no a hiding to nothing once the, once the lines really clashed. Was there anything that you think that I could have done to improve my game here? I mean, because there were was was some risks that I took, I think, do you think? Um, like the yeah, deployment, for example, with four long in front of Imrahil. Yes, yes, that was a bit um, I wasn't expecting, to be mm. honest. Um, 
was you intending to go into my leader with them? What, you, with Forlong? With Forlong, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, that's what I was thinking. Because I thought, I've got Fight 5, it's going to maybe suck out some of your might on strikes, move-offs, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that is risky, but also smart. I mean, putting him in, you know, he's only D5, is he? D6. D6, D6 yeah. uh, still winning you on fives. Do you know what I mean? If um, I do kill him, I can spend might for free because I get it back. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was hoping for. You yeah. know, kill him over one, two turns, hopefully. Get a bit of might, pit, to Mike back um, it just leaves Imre Hill uh, on two mites but unfortunately he killed my captain so he's back up to three this is what I thought because so I, I was thinking if I can swap trade the mite essentially like I, if I kill the captain I get a point of Mike back you kill Forlong you get a point of Mike back but crucially in that time Imre Hill could get more kills than Arvidui could because Arvidui's just chipping away at a, 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 a three wound guy with a fate so, so I, was, I, was ho- I was relying on that fact that you would just be behind me on the kill tally. And, and, it, and it did work, because I think you got two kills in the end, uh, and I got six, and I think one, one of those was four long, and the, the, I don't know what the other one was, just another chaff guy. And then by, that, by the time that had all happened, I, I just was chopping through stuff with my whole line, and you just, there wasn't much left. So I managed to pull off a, her- a heroic combat in the final turn uh, to bring in Rahil directly into, into Arvidui's face. And uh, yeah, took him, took him off the board with, I think it was down to the final fate there, wasn't it? It was a 50-50, essentially, for him to stay on the board. Oh, yes, it was, yeah. Um, I think you might have done four wounds yeah. on him. Um, I think I, Melbeth saved two of them, which yeah. was uh, quite good. good yeah. um, so then, yeah, point of fate. So it was either fate or die. And he dies. Yeah. <laughs> he rolls a two. Yeah. <laughs> and then we called it there, haven't we? Because I don't think there's any way you could uh, claim back there. You had to, I was five or six models or something like that off break. But um, it, amazingly, I'd, got, I'd, I'd managed to get the, the full 12-0 win here. So um, really proud of that against uh, a, a very, very uh, a talented player like yourself, Aaron. So uh, thank you so much for the game. As I say, a lot of it come down to the dice. But... Until next time, you know, it's, I, I think it's revenge for the last one, but I, we've, we've tallied up. I think we've had at least one win for me ages ago, at least two wins for you, so this might bring it back even. There's probably others in, the, uh, in our history, but listen back through the podcast and find out, I guess. <laughs> but thanks very much for the game, Aaron. Brilliant. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Harry. Cheers. So let's take a little bit of a break before we find out uh, the winner of the tournament and have a chat to uh, tournament organiser Nathan Cocker. Cocker, yeah. Cocker, 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 right, Cocker. Very Hull of you, very Hull of you. Uh, So uh, first of all, I want to have a chat. Hull's uh, Angels is the venue uh, and it's a club. It's like a a little charity, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fully volunteer rang club effectively. So there's 11 people on the committee. We all have our own little game system that we run. We're open two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I've pretty much got an event every weekend. Wow. Various systems, you know, from 40k, AOS, Middle Earth, all sorts. Brilliant. And, and, it is, and it's, it's actually surprising because it's sort of very central to the town. And it, like you'd imagine that a club like this would, or a building or a room like this would be quite an expensive thing to run. But actually it must be, must be all right. A bit of a steal maybe. Yeah, we get, we get a good rate on it. I mean, we have to run a good chunk of events. I think we need to do two events, two big events every month to make rent on this. But we, right. do, we well exceed that and we've got a nice little savings pocket in there. And we put any money we get we put back into the club, terrain. Uh, all sorts of fun. Yeah, and, and you talk of terrain, I don't think I've mentioned it a lot, that most of the uh, boards here are not only fantastic and good condition terrain, which is always nice to yeah. see, they're not falling apart like <laughs> some of my boxes but, uh, are terrain, but also they're very densely packed, yes. it's full, I mean, it's, and, but there's also room here for everyone. Absolutely, yeah. There's plenty of space, we've got plenty of terrain. I mean, this is just about the extent of our middle left collection, so we'll have to invest a bit more to get mm. some tables out, but if you see the 40k terrain on the sides, we've got plenty, yeah, yeah. you know. 
But it, and, and, and also, like, in terms of just sort of space, I don't know whether you, you probably could get some more tables in here Absolutely. if you wanted to, yeah. but, but actually it's, sometimes it's nice to have plenty of space, a bit, bit of room to mingle, like where we're standing at the moment, quite a, a distance from the tables yes. where there's... I mean, how, how many have come to the event? We've got 31 today. Yeah, we had so room for 30, Yeah, we have room for 36 in total. A little bit more if we move the boards out of the way, but we need more terrain for that. So yeah. I think our max capacity with current tables is 40, right, 40 yeah. people, and then, like you say, we get a bit more in, but... The space, the space is nice to have at the front. We don't yeah. want to be crammed in like sides. Exactly, so. yeah, yeah, exactly, which is brilliant. And so about the event itself, uh, I know uh, the last of it, I can't even remember what it was called. It was Doll Holder. Doll Holder, yeah. yeah. which was a great one. I, I, I'm impressed at the your ability to make puns for the uh, <laughs> uh, the title of the tournament. So we need yeah. to have a competition uh, in the Great uh, Great British Hobbit League for best title best, of yes. a tournament. I, think I really should, they, they should we'll be a prize. We'll I think you should take it, it's brilliant. And so for, so there's it, Thranduil's Holes this time, which yes. is brilliant. Um, and and to connect with that, you've got like an extra special little little bit of spice. Yes. Just tell me about the, the gems. Yeah. So effectively, Thranduil's gems have been scattered across Middle Earth. So everyone starts with a gem on their leader. And every board in every round has a gem right in the centre of, of the board. Mm-hmm. And during the course of the game, your leader can pick up gems. And the whole objective is to have the most gems at the end of the tournament. You'll drop gems if you get injured or wounded. And the gems also persist between games. So if someone dies in the midst of a great battle, they could drop all 10 of their gems. And then the next people that play on that table, grab them all. Mm. Interesting. It's a great. It's a great idea, um, and it's just a little bit of extra spice that has um, uh, that's just given. Perhaps if yeah. you've not won your games, then you know you've got something else to fight for. Because it's your leader, um, you've got like a three-way split between: do I use them to kill things? Do I use them to score objectives for the scenario, or do I go for gems? You've got mm. like a three-way decision to make yeah, as to it, what you're doing. And it's not an unsubstantial prize. Like, no, yeah. the, those prizes are ace. Uh, for a nice prize support. Um, whoever's got the most jewels will get the pick of the first prize as well, wow. and then it'll go to first place. So you're also incentivized if you want your first choice of prize to go for the gems. Go for the gems. Right. So that's brilliant. And, and the final uh, element of this is, I mean, it's on the board uh, to my left here. It's uh, saying round four, proudly saying contest of champions. Now that was decided in advance, the yes. round four. But the rest of it was veto but not in a normal veto usually yes. you veto with the pools and yes. uh, and but you did it slightly differently and you've also just binned recon <laughs> yes that's the right thing to do i'll say that out there <laughs> not no controversy bin recon i quite like recon yeah. and i know some competitive players really do but yeah. it depends on the army you run I suppose. yeah yeah i think with this particular setup you could just run off the ball with the gems at that point yeah. so i've binned off recon for that reason and then yeah every other mission i roll three scenarios at the start and then we had the traditional veto system at that point so right. it was all fairly random on the day barring contests at the end <clears throat> yeah yeah Space. And, and obviously contest it's a, just a nice fun way to end the games isn't it and lose all your gems if you lead a dice right I'm <laughs> yeah, with you so yeah, that yeah. was the reason that was, yeah. I, I hadn't even thought of that but now I twigged it yeah. or take all your opponent's gems so yeah, if, yeah. If, if you've gone for the entire tournament with zero gems and you go against someone who's got like eight or nine in that last game you can go for that go for the kill take all the gems yeah that's a very good point so so yeah you could end up and I know um, there's been talk at the end of the uh, tournament about ooh who's got the most gems and yeah. ooh this we'll soon find out yeah 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 we'll so I'm looking forward to finding out well uh, Nathan, it's, a, it's a pleasure it's a great venue uh, great event and um, I know you run as you said you run plenty of these events there's another another in the summer is that right is it or uh, is it ma- got, uh, no, April March something? we've got one in March that's Sunday the 17th of March mm. that's the White Frigate opens another right. pun for you right. uh, and then there'll be some in the summer some in December they're all on the uh, GBHL calendar as well. Just to clarify the pun, the road is the road we're on is yeah yes, the road we're yes. on is right for a gate, not the black not gate. The black yeah, gate yeah. yeah, I get, I get you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's clever, but you need to have some local knowledge for that one. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's uh, that's a Sunday coming to uh, soon. So, well, thank you so much for for talking to me, and um, thanks for running a great event.
Brilliant, thank you. Thank you. So there we go, it's all, the dust is all settled now at the end of uh, Thranduil's Hulls, uh, but there can be only one winner. And the winner today has been Matt Lingard. C congratulations, he's, he's shaking his fists in happiness and joy. How do you feel? Uh, very good, yeah. Um, I've played seriously for about a year and a half, so happy to win my first tournament. This is your first ever tournament, that's brilliant. First, not first ever tournament, well, yeah. first ever win. Yeah, yeah first yeah, ever yeah. win for a tournament. I've yeah. tried many, many times and failed, Harry, but yeah, <laughs> we've got it today. And, and we were just talking before, you did quite well in the, the sort of Northern League and, and you, were, you were a newcomer to the, to the league in 2023 as well. So, yeah. so you, you must be doing something right because, you, you, you know, you're a, a, a figure to watch, I suppose. Well, um, I think I got lucky in the, in the Northern League. Um, like, if you can imagine like an anglerfish, yeah. like that, the, the big female is Ben. And I'm the little male just attached to it. He, he's just carrying me along. Uh, yeah, ben Haslam, yeah. Yeah, because he came first, but because he was also 10th overall, it opened a spot up for me. So shout out to Ben. Thank you once again. <laughs> I've already thanked him today, but oh, thank brilliant. you again. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Um, so what, do, do, well, let's just, just ask some uh, basic things then. So last year, uh, you, you know, this is your first year in a bit playing the game. What sort of stuff we've, have you been experimenting with and uh, what sort of armies have you been using? Well, last year, I think I went, I went hard on like Assault on Lothlorien, mm -hmm. Angmar. So, so I, took, yeah, I, took, I, took, I took the really like strong armies in a sense. Yeah. Um, and this, this year, I've just sort of gone, just playing more armies that I enjoy to play. Right. And I find I'm actually doing better doing that for some reason. Some, the dice just the dice don't yeah, curse the, you if you're not taking uh, uh, janky stuff. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, definitely. I've had a lot of luck with dice. It's been a good day for dice for me uh, today. So, so you had the Angmar and the, the Assault on Lothlorien last year. What, what are you bringing this 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 tournament? Kazadum, Kazadum, yeah, right, uh, cool. Kingdom of Moria specifically. Oh um, right, okay. So that I, so I guess the value there is is in hu lots of high defense troops. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Cheap heroes as well. Cheap heroes, yeah. We've got uh, Barling, King's Champion, um, eight. Dwarf Warriors with shield, eight Khazad Guard, and then nine uh, Rangers with throwing weapons and uh, Dwarf Longbow. So, oh, oh, that's interesting. The Rangers is an unusual choice, isn't it? I, 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 I don't know. I really rate the Rangers. Yeah. Like, um, they've done loads of work for me today. Freeze to hit, uh, throwing weapons when things get close and nasty. Um, and we've been defense five. They're pretty survivable for a, you know, for a ranged troop. So you can win shooting exchanges with them. They're not top tier, but they are very close. They won't be elves or Dale, but um, yeah. against pretty much anyone else. And with dwarves, you need something to bring them to you. Yeah, because otherwise, you, I found this before, you're just slugging it all the way up the field yeah. and you, you never get to choose where you're fighting. Yeah, exactly that. You don't, you don't choose the engagement. If you don't pick the engagements as dwarves, mm. um, you're getting outmaneuvered generally. That's usually what happens, so... How, how many bows were there? Eight, did you say? Uh, nine. Nine, nine. 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 So that's brilliant. That's, that's a solid number. And obviously, they're strength three bows. 18 inch range, but strength three, right? Strength two. No, no. The, um, oh, so they're the ranger bows. Of course, they yeah, are. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I didn't take any of the dwarf warrior bows, which are Uruk bows, essentially. Strength three, range 18. I just went with the 24 inch with the uh, strength two. I mean, the throwing weapons are strength three. Yeah, yeah. So you do get that back when they come close. And, that's, and, and that's, I guess that's particularly helpful because you've got the five inch move, but you've got the six inch throwing weapon range, which, yep. which can yep. be useful in some circumstances where, you know, if someone says, right, well, I, I'm going to move to within six inches of you, and then, you know, you have to. There's all that sort of uh, yeah, toing and throwing. You can just go, ah, fuck that. I'm going to forget toing and throwing. I'm going to go throw stuff. Absolutely, yeah. No, you can. Um, people can think that they're safe, and then suddenly you've you've moved five, and you can still throw six. And they're like, oh, because you've got the bows. I suppose they sometimes take it for granted that you don't have to just move half and shoot. You can move full and throw. And 
Yeah, very good. So in terms of the tournament, um, <clears throat> let's just uh, firstly talk about the, the scenarios and stuff, because obviously we've all been playing different scenarios, knowing we're going to end on Contest of Champions. Yeah. Um, but like, what, how, how has the veto system worked for you? Is it, uh, has it been something you've enjoyed, or, or is it, has it been a spanner in the works? Uh, I've had limited experience with the veto, but I, I think in this occasion it definitely worked in my favour. There was a couple of, uh, I think round three against uh, Julian Hammond, he had... Uh, Riders of Theoden, and it was divide and conquer, assassination, and uh, to the death. Um, so I only needed to veto uh, divide and conquer, which is obviously bad for me against a fast cavalry force. But I, after that, it didn't matter to me what he picked. Um, either one, I think, was a good choice. So definitely being able to eliminate that, or knowing in advance that I'm going to be able to have at least a more favourable matchup mm. as opposed to not being able to veto that definitely influenced me to take dwarfs as well because yeah, yeah. some scenarios are really bad for them like yeah, okay. Re reconnoiter which was uh, it's already ditched from the ditched, thing. Yep, nobody <laughs> playing that this one um, and contest is Balin's okay he's okay he yeah. did the job. He's all right. I mean, he's he's stable, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's like, he's, he's, yeah. It's hard to kill him. Yeah. He'll he'll chip away at stuff. And also, the dwarves are hard to kill as well. So the That's enemy it. leader's going to struggle a bit, exactly. generally. Yeah, yeah. I think um, my game four in contest, my opponent just had the worst of it because he had Sullivan as his leader, mm. trying to kill defense seven dwarves, needing sixes, whereas I had Balin chopping his guys down on threes. So, oh, yeah. God, yeah. Not to mention the fact that he lost every important roll-off and move-off and strike-off, I mean... Well, you've got to have a bit of luck on your side to win a tournament, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, you don't win a tournament without without a little bit of luck in opponent selection, uh, um, scenarios, scenarios, yeah. scenarios and dice, obviously. So, yeah, always a bit of luck. So, so are we likely to see you on podiums in the uh, the coming future? Do we think is this a first of many, or is this a flash in the pan success? Flash in the pan, I'm going to say. <laughs> um, I've got City of Steel in April. Oh, um, that's going to be a really tough field. I mean, it was a tough field here today. A lot, load of good players. Um, yeah, surprisingly so. Considering it's a GBL HL 80, and there's like the fun uh, sort of gem thing that um, we've been talking about throughout the podcast. But yeah, it, it, the yeah, players the have been good. good. Gems were good. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it's it's a, it's a great venue, Hall's Angel. Um, I'd, if, I'd love to live a bit about 20 minutes closer and I'd probably be here more, far more often whereabouts um, are you? Uh, other, other side of um, uh, Le other side of Leeds so yeah. it's about an hour away oh, about yeah. an hour's drive just a little bit too far for, yeah. for coming after work or something like that on a weekday yeah fair enough well uh, either way uh, well done on uh, the, the, the tournament win um, so yeah well hopefully we'll see you around at some other point and maybe, uh, maybe we'll uh, get you on the podcast again if you uh, take another tournament victory yeah, inshallah. <laughs> Matt Lingard there, the winner of the Thrangewills Holes. Uh, cracking lad, uh, really enjoyed uh, that conversation with him and he did very well uh, at the tournament. Four wins and uh, zil, zero zilch losses uh, with a total of uh, 40 VPs and a margin of victory of uh, 38. So um, absolutely rinsing most of his opponents by the sounds of it. Uh, shout out though to Ben Haslam who came second uh, with, uh, with four wins as well but just a slightly lower margin and then Jake Banks was in third with three wins and a loss uh, Tom Armitage and Oliver Hammond above me and I was settled in sixth place which I'm pretty happy with with three wins and one loss and that one loss against Oliver who landed um, just a, a slight pip ahead of me uh, in the, the rankings because he had slightly more VPs than me uh, in total um, I'm quite happy about that because the one loss I had I, I thought there was very little that I could do um, to win that game. That was the one with um, Bolg and Fimble, and I managed to kill Fimble really quickly. 
uh, was it Fimble or was it Narzog? Anyway, I can't remember. Whoever it was, um, and and he just got the bat and landed on the the heirloom of uh, ages past objective in the first turn and rolled the six, and then uh, you know I could just uh, you know I I did everything I could to try and catch it eventually, but um, there were there were only a few strategies, and all of them involved uh, the priority landing my way. So um, I mean Oliver played it perfectly as well, so I can't really hold the grudge against him. But what would would it have been different? Would it have been a different story uh, had he not rolled that stick six? Absolutely, it would. But a six-two loss there, and then you know a sixth-place finish overall pretty chuffed with the the old men at arms and uh, uh, the other dudes of uh, the fiefdoms i mean I, I i was i hadn't really played any games i don't think i played any games um before this tournament at, at 500 points with fiefdoms obviously i pl- used them a bit um uh, i've played one game in the uh one game in the uh, uh what am i trying to say one game in the the imp slogo league which will eventually be released after i've done a few ep- uh, a few games in it um, so I did a 400 and a, a 500 but the 500 um, is uh, I know I did yeah so I played one 500 game yeah yeah anyway look I'm, I'm waffling now but either way the uh, considering I've never used them uh, in a, a tournament before I was uh, really really happy with the pure fiefdoms uh, Imrahil four long turns out it's really good having a 12 inch banner uh, with fight five in the right places re-rolling six uh, sorry re-rolling wounds um, of a one within six inches of four long the horn is great like the clansmen are brilliant for just sort of piling in some extra strength uh, uh, or sort of killing potential uh, and then just the mobility of having a couple of knights in there I just I, I mean you, I just think it's a really good list at 500 points um, you know I, I think it leans in quite well against things like Hunter Orgs even though that was the one loss I had although he had, had Bolg and all that sort of stuff so I was potentially a bit scared of that but yeah really cool and and as as we heard from Nathan uh, uh, Cocker the, the tournament organiser that I just really, I really like the idea of the tournament. The veto system slightly different, and and having the the uh, gems in the middle gave people something else to play for. So big shout out to Nathan Talbot who uh, ended up taking home, um, I think it was Gimli's axe, like a properly amazing prize for being the uh, winner of the most jewels overall. So big shout out to him um, because I think I probably would have paid a bit more attention to the jewels <laughs> i don't know there was a there was an axe for the uh, top prize for for jewel collection but realistically i'm here for the games and, I'm, and i wanted to wanted to do well in the tournament so uh, so i enjoyed it for that uh, nonetheless uh, sixth place finish can't can't sniff at sniff at that for 32 players so very very happy uh, with that of 31 players um so there you go uh, i'll be taking the fiefdoms to war again 600 points next time at the Grand Prix, uh, the Seventh City Collectibles Grand Prix, uh, world champion organiser, uh, one of the most, if not the competi- most competitive tournament of the calendar, the GBHL calendar. Uh, big points, lots and lots of sweaty players, uh, I'd imagine, or certainly a lot of lot of competitive lists. Um, I think in the region of 10, uh, Hunter Orc lists, so that's pretty nasty at 600 points. They won, of course, last year in the hands of Jake Rawson. He's taking them again. Will he manage to, to take the top spot, or will it be left to someone else I know there are lots of good players uh, in the in the running uh, David Farmer he's taking uh, Range of Athelion great choice leans well into or sort of against that uh, Hunter Org meta uh, Jakob uh, Jakob Krokmal he is taking a Candish list which I'm really intrigued by um, and Jay Acharya he's another top player uh, very very close to to winning uh, the league last year I think he was third or fourth in the end uh, he is uh, he is there he's taking an Urukai list um, really intrigued by that and and um uh, ashley wilger as well another top player he's uh, he's taking a witch king Sullivan alliance um so so loads and loads of of tough players i wonder how i'll fare last year i got into the the chaser pod 
which is like it's the way it works it's kind of divided off in uh, you know have a swiss rank day one so everyone plays four games and then the best eight go into the a knockout for the uh, top prize and then the second 16 go into a chaser pod and then the rest are divided up into other pods where you can uh, you sort of play a, a mini little knockout or mini swiss tournament to try and win the top prize of said pod so so yeah that, that's really cool i really like the format of that one uh, the socials elements are always brilliant as well so that episode will probably be coming out in the middle of february uh the so towards half term time when i've got some time off so i might be able to uh, polish that edit off so with that in mind thanks for listening to this one i hope you enjoyed it and i will return Boo-ra-rum. Boo-ra-rum.